Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Wow. Wow. Welcome to Nether Stray's Farthing. Farthing. Took a while for us to uh, figure that out, didn't it? But uh, we got uh, there. You know then. what? It's one of those things where it's just, it's um, it's on the, the tip of your tongue. And all of a sudden it was brought to us. And then Vitor did his amazing graphic for the thumbnail. Yeah. And it's it just, and but I think what makes it really special is the Perry's latest just piece of, uh, for want of a better word, magnificence. But what I find fascinating about it is the recorder. Yep. Tell me more. Well, um, the, you might you might have noticed it's got as a you know Perry's very famous for his very tight compositions and arrangements. You know everything is absolutely sort of precision, perfect, and there's not a, there's not a beat missed or a kind of a tone that's slightly out. It's a little bit different with the the theme tune for Never Stray's Farthing. That's because it's live, David. There's some live music being played there. And um, I'd just like to point out that the uh, lead recorder on the, <laughs> the lead recorder on this uh, madrigal, if that's what we can call it, is me. That's me. That's me. <laughs> just a bit of background on this. Because I'm used to your eccentricities. <laughs> It was about three years you decided to start to learn the recorder. <laughs> what? How did this come about? I don't know. I, 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 I've actually got a range of recorders, which I might be able to sort of unfold <laughs> over there. You know, that was my descant recorder. Um, I think it was actually one of my, you know, my children left primary school a decade and a half ago. But, um, but uh, so I nicked one of them off there. But um, so I have, yeah, and it kind of fits. The first thing I actually learned how to play, which I might, I might, I might play at some point on the pod is the theme for Blackadder, which was in many ways <laughs> the inspiration good. for for um, Perry's reworking, uh, his ultimate reworking of of Never Strays. That, I mean, it's just incredible what he's done. From well, our- I have to say, it is because I I kind of saw the workings of this happening. Yeah, Perry sending you music. Yeah, the kind of things going back and oh, forth. Oh, and got, it got super technical. So he sent me he sent me technical. like the backing the backing chords with a kind of beat track you know that i had to kind of keep in time yeah. with and mate i got really nervous so I, did, I did about two dozen recordings before i was even remotely happy enough to send him one and even then it was absolutely awful but he worked his magic with his little tuning things and he's kind of turned it into a work of genius so that he is probably just played it himself in the end <laughs> no no that's his that's that's his like don't worry ned i'll just i'll just i'll, I'll, I'll take make this. it make sure it works <laughs> oh, no, don't say that it. Don't say that. It might be true. But, but you know, there's, I just thought there's a lovely synchronicity to all this is that for the last four days, I'm supposed to be each time I'm drone it is buying Harvey a recorder because he's got to that age 
so he's eight. So he's going to going back to school. He's got and to he that needs age. a recorder. Of course, you need a recorder. Yeah. When you're eight, you need a recorder. How are you going to get through your eighth year without a recorder? <laughs> I mean, so it's all it's just all coming together. Yeah, the synchronicity of life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so so what what is the point of this? Um, never strays farthing. Well, w- what we don't know, David, is because this is so we're recording this, you know, quite late in the, the evening before the, the the first stage. And what I really don't know is quite how it's going to unfold. I don't think it's going to be a morning show, David, because you've got. You know, necessarily there might be mornings when we record it, right? Yeah, um, there will be. There yep. will be, but but you're you've got a business trip coming up, and I'm kind of all over the place, and some of the transfers are quite long, so I don't yep. know how it's all going to work. And also the 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 stages start quite early. But anyway, I'm here at the tour of Britain, and I'm thoroughly, uh, massively, uh, hugely looking forward to it. But we've got loads to talk about. Um, oh, by the way, Never Stray's farthing is clever on a couple of levels, isn't it? It's clever because. It begins with F-A-R. That's clever, right? But then there's... Or fart. That's not so clever. But uh, you've been in... Yeah, you've been at home with a bunch of under 10... Kids. Yeah. Um, Captain Underpants. It, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's clever because a farthing is an old British coin. And of course, the penny farthing. So it had to, it had to be done. And it's... um, Yeah. Uh, so that's the reason we've done that. Um, but uh, what was I going to say? Oh yeah! Before we even get to, so we've got lo- we've actually got loads to talk about in this pod, David. Um, some of it cycling related, most of it cycling related, um, and this is definitely cycling related. We got the nod, didn't we? That um, uh, a couple of, a couple of nights ago, or last night, I've forgotten. Or yeah, I think it was last night that Dan Crosswinds Martin was about to announce his um, his retirement, which took me by surprise. Did it take you by mm. surprise? It's totally by surprise because I still think of him as being a young rider, and I think of him as, as, yeah, and he's he's had such a kind of steady trajectory. There's no kind of big decline. Dan's still there. Oh. He he does what he always does. I mean, just so a, just kind a of bit it, when you think about yeah. his Giro stage win. Wow. Yeah, yeah. But that's what I mean. It's just so. Yeah, it, it was a surprise because he's always. Uh, his demeanor can be sometimes externally a lot of uh, have his complaints and yet actually internally he's the most positive human I know. So it was quite surprising to find that he's just decided to hang the old girl up yeah. and kind of get the bike done yeah. or dig a hole and bury it. I don't know which one he's doing. Is he hanging it up or is he digging a hole and burying it? I'm not sure which one because I haven't spoken to him. Ah, well, that comes up in this interview. So, uh, literally about half an hour ago, I phoned him and um, uh, just to talk it talk it through with him. And uh, this is what happened. And by the way, um, I love a pun, and I love um, I love a certain era of music. I, I like all sorts of music, but I like Dean Martin. Buonasera, signorina, buonasera. It is time to say good night to Napoli. Though it's hard for us to whisper Bonazera with that old moon above the Mediterranean Sea. In the morning, Signorina, we'll go walking. Ned, how are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm all right. So you got a message? Where from... are you? Are you? Are you in Plymouth as well? No, I'm in. I'm in Bodmin, mate. Oh, are you staying in Plymouth? Oh, that's all the teams are. I think most of the teams are. We've got a mammoth transfer tomorrow morning. That's a bit of a like, hike, isn't it? Literally, I think we're having breakfast in the bus, I believe. It's like, like two and a half hours or something. Wow. 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 
Okay. Starts right. in the winter going down. Hey, hey, listen, you can't complain that much. The sun's shining, Dan. That's a bit of a first for the tour. Exactly. <laughs> I'd actually, it's the first time I've actually been down this way. I mean, I've gone as far as we've ever devastated before, but I've never been to Cornwall before, so I'm actually quite excited to, yeah. to check it out. Yeah, the race. Well, the race has never come here, has it? It's got down to Devon. When did you last no. race? When did you last race it, Dan? Quick step. So seventeen, I think. Seventeen, right? Okay. I think I did seventeen. I think I, I did sixteen and seventeen, I believe. Right. I should know that, really, shouldn't I? I should have done my research. But there we go. Um, yeah, you should. Do. Yeah, you got, you got a few hours. <laughs> so I was quite surprised by your little. You know, I got a message from your PR people saying, "Embargoed news. Dan Martin is about to announce his entire." His retirement. I was quite surprised. I, I must admit, in in retrospect, I suppose I could have seen it coming, but I didn't. And, I'm, and I am. I was quite surprised when I got the news. But obviously, you've been thinking about it for a long time, right? Well, it's like that. It's kind of like my racing side, isn't it? Just cause attack. Nobody expects it. This actually, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, no. You know, I mean, it's just been. I've always said. I mean, you can look back. Anybody can look back through interviews I've done throughout the years uh, I've said that as soon as it stops being fun that uh, I would stop yeah. and I think I'm quite fortunate in the fact that I do obviously I've been surrounded by people who've helped me set up this other thing in my life that I've actually has become a new passion of mine with the, with the business and whatever but it, it's more about yeah I still love riding a bike I still love training and pushing my limits and yeah it's just the fact is that the the professionalism that's in the sport right now, the intensity that we're racing week in, week out, demands a focus and commitment at home that people don't understand from the outside of, of pro cycling. You know, we actually, I've become, now that I've actually made the announcement, I've actually realised that I've become these last 18 months, two years, what, something that I said that I would never become and that's a monk you know I've always said that I didn't want to live like a monk's lifestyle to be competitive and that's what's required now to be at the top of your game and uh, and yeah it's now that it feels like a release that I don't have to live that I mean we're incredibly fortunate to get me wrong to live this lifestyle but it's for me personally it's just uh, I've had enough <laughs> I've, uh, I've just become a bit bored of the life of the life and I just need a new challenge in life and uh, yeah obviously I could physically stay I could physically stay competitive for a, potentially a number of years still, but I yeah. think the, the mental side of this sport is massively underestimated, and I can feel that that mental commitment and that motivation starting to slip. So I believe it's the right time to stop before I become a grumpy old man riding around at the back complaining about everything and not racing well. <laughs> The grumpy old man thing happened a while ago, didn't it, Dan? The the, the race, true. The, the racing's still going well, but the grumpy. But actually, joking apart, I mean that. I thought that. I mean, I was out in Italy with you, watching you race, and I thought that Giro win was amongst your finest moments on a bike. Did, but did did you? I thought it was sensational, Dan. Did you know then that you'd already were you already going to retire then, or has it happened subsequently? I mean, like, would it have been different if you hadn't completed the set and fulfilled that little ambition? Potentially, but also the whole reason I went to the Giro was because I was in search of a new challenge. And I'd realized over, like, I'd become a bit bored of, my, of the same old program. That's why I came to this team in the first place, because I was looking for this new, I'd ridden the same yeah, structured program just because of the type of rider that I am, that I go to the races that suit me. And mm. that kind of designed your calendar throughout the year. And I just kind of stuck to the same races and... That's why I said to the team, I really wanted to go back to the Giro because I hadn't had that opportunity for a number of years. And obviously also to try and win a stage. 
And then I think like that Giro experience, although it was incredible and to win a stage, winning that stage was definitely a turning point, partly because of the obviously finishing my set of of Grand Tour wins, but stage wins, but also because winning actually just left me a little bit cold, I guess. Like the, the happiness I brought to people was an incredible feeling and seeing how the reaction from the team and that, that joy that it, I, I managed to, yeah, like cause, I guess is the word. Uh, yeah, that, that was in, that was incredible. That was a great feeling, but the actually act of winning was like, okay, yeah, great. I won. And that showed me that I've got so much else in my life that I want to achieve that, that, that perhaps winning bike races is kind of a tick box for me right there. So, but also as well, I mean, riding the Giro again, like it did show me that I wasn't looking for new races to ride. It wasn't, it was just cycling in general that had become a bit, yeah, just, I was starting to, to, yeah, that, I would use that word boring again, but it, it's kind of, I think I just need a new challenge in life. And it's, uh, it's been, yeah, I've, people say 14 years of pro, but I was effectively professional for 17 years because yeah. the three years, my formative years at La Palma, when you're basically living like a professional, you know, so yeah, it's, um, it's just, it just feels right. And now that I've made the announcement, it feels even more right. Well, you know, just scanning through the old socials, Dan, there's an awful lot of goodwill coming your way, and you know, quite quite rightly so. I mean, uh, you haven't had a message from Miller, I understand. That's unusual, isn't it? I think he's waiting for me to call him. It's lovely how he. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's probably, well, I, I was actually thinking about this today as well, and I, uh, I was actually talking to Christian Vanderbilt, and I think I'm, I think I'm the last standing of the. 2008 class Garmin class, you know, and uh, I'm not sure that's right, but yeah, 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 the, that original team, you know, and yeah. uh, I hadn't realised that until the other day, and it was kind of like it's that is part of. I think that was also part of my reasoning for. Obviously, there's a plethora of reasons for stopping, and it's, it's that's why it's such a complex decision. But another reason is that it's almost like the end of an era because you've seen a lot of like a lot of the guys who I've raced with for so many years are not here right? like they've retired as well and the, the peloton's full of these young guys now who it's, it's just a different mm. culture and it's a different mentality and that's that's why the race style of racing's changed but also the style of living and it's uh yeah so the, the lifestyle has changed because a lot of young guys they grow up in this super focused environment where they're essentially robots being told exactly what to eat, train, whatever, the, the, every, every, master, every part of the sport is controlled. And that's not by no means a complaint. It's just where the sport's going. It's, yes. it's Formula One, right? It's, just, it's incredibly professional there. And the resources that teams have, it's, it's, it's inevitable that it's going to go that way. But I think going back 10 years, there was this incredible human element whereby we all made mistakes all the time. And it meant that, like it just it, it added a human element whereby you saw guys having bad days and making tactical errors and missing out in crosswind splits and everything that that you don't really get anymore. It's it's very much now that the generally the strongest guy will win, and uh, mm. it's some of the beauty is perhaps uh, it, the enjoyment perhaps is is that's part of what I used to enjoy about cycling. Obviously, the, the that human element. I love listening to. I love listening to David talk about um, the, the early days of the Garmin Slipstream project, you know, that you were very much a part of. And, you know, he was talking He was talking recently about how quite a long time ago, you guys embraced hand sanitizers and 
and things like that, you know, like uh, infection control on your way in and out of the restaurant and the buffet and all that sort of thing. And you did it for about a year and then you all got bored of it. <laughs> Can't be bothered to do that anymore. Yeah, we, we joke about it, but there's a, there's a lot of things that that team was so far ahead. And I think that's why we were so like, relatively successful for the, for the team that we were, you know, because even like the nutrition protocols and stuff like yeah. that, we were... We were, we were, we were doing, basically, there's so many things now that the Sports Times team will come up with, and I'll be like, yeah, great, but I've been do I was doing that at Garmin in 2009, or whatever, you know, and it shows, it's full respect to that team for how far, yeah. how, how good the, the Sports Times team were, you know, and yeah, stuff like that, it's simple, but obviously we're all doing it every day now, when, yeah, it's crazy, really. Hey, Dan, I wish you all the best. I understand, you know, your, your business venture, I've you understand, you're going to be really good at it, it's going to go really well. Um, and also, I know for a fact that you're a damn good writer because you've written a piece for the Roadbook um, coming up this year about your Giro, your Giro d'Italia. Um, have you got have you got plans to sort of move into the media at all? He says nervously. Are you going to edge this all out? What like copy your idea and just do better? Yeah, no, that's it's, kind of, that uh... kind of thing, yeah. <laughs> no, you know what? It's very it's hard just, uh... for us to do that, Dan Martin. I... By the way, but anyway, yeah. I, I, just, I don't really have any plans as far as the cycling side. I'm looking for opportunities. You know, it's, it's obviously still the sport that I love, and uh, I, I'm going to see, yeah, see see what comes our way. But right now, I'm looking forward to just having a bit okay. of a break and okay. uh, and a bit of a rest, and then we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what comes up. You know, but it's, uh, got- yeah, obviously I enjoy writing as well, and yeah, being a part of your book's been a, was also a pleasure. Although I believe I. Go over my word count. Substantial. Like, that was fine. Like, I encourage like talking there. I encourage you to. That was, it's, it's really good. It's no, it's a great bit of writing. I read it. Also, the, also the by the way, it starts in the most brilliant way. Your Giro d'Italia. I won't give it away and don't give it away. But your Giro, the, the night before your Giro started, started in the most brilliant way. And I've commissioned. A, <laughs> I've, you know what I'm talking about. And, I, and I've commissioned yes. an illustration. To um to actually uh, bring that to life as well to go alongside the essays. <laughs> um, Excellent. But listen, you've got you can't relax yet. You've got eight days of the Tour of Britain, and like you said, like you're you're looking forward to racing in Cornwall. And um, are you going to give it a bit of a nudge, Dan? Of course. I mean, I've been doing that for fourteen years. I'm That's not going to leave it. Like, I'm not going to let it drop the last four weeks, am I? So now we're going to go. Uh, I just want to enjoy racing, and that's that's my style. Just go out. Be aggressive, and well, hopefully, I've got the legs to do so first. Yeah, that's always a bit of a question mark, but yeah, we'll, we'll give it our best shot as always. All right, brilliant. Thanks for taking the call. Um, I'll be shouting your name at some point tomorrow, or at least not shouting it. It will pop up in conversation, I'm sure. Um, enjoy, enjoy your last lap of Britain, mate, and we'll, I'll speak to you soon. Yeah. Yeah. So, David, my big takeaway from that interview is: Have you messaged him now? Have you, as of as of now? And I'm looking at my. It's 19:42 in the UK. It's 20:42 in Girona. Have you messaged your old friend and colleague, Dean or Dan Martin? No, I wow. haven't. Wow! Um, wow! 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 But I, I, I think that's probably. Um, well, it only came to like what forty-eight hours ago. How long does it take to send a text? A simple message. Hmm? Well, I didn't because 
I haven't even read the statement. The statement, first statement came out today, I think, from Israel Startup. Yeah, but I, I gave you the heads up that it was happening yesterday, didn't I? So here we go. Here's, I'm going to read you verbatim a WhatsApp exchange uh, this evening between me and, me and Dan. Dan, have you got five minutes to record a quick interview for me and David's pod? Just on the off chance. No worries if it's not possible. Yes, sure. Love to. Like now? And then he comes back with, you can also remind Miller that he hasn't messaged me yet. <laughs> that, that's when, just before we record this, unfortunately, there's probably dozens of people I haven't messaged yet about something in the last 48 hours. <laughs> and I'm also trying to be, like, I'm tr- leaving my house at 7am this morning with my wife and kids and spending the whole no day. I love him. I, I love him. And I'll message him tomorrow. Um, but I just need to have... A, a, half an hour or so to digest yeah. it and think about it rather than in the classic social clean my conscience by sending something or sending a message and just doing it for the yeah. sake of it. Yeah. I'll do it with care yeah. and diligence and attention when I've All got right. time. And at the moment I just don't have time. He, he, so, his, yeah. his career was, his career was quite special, wasn't it? He was, he was some writers just pass under the radar and you don't know quite what it was that they did or, how they looked on a bike or how they behaved or what the characteristics were with Dan. None of that was in question. It was, he had a unique thumbprint that he left on the Peloton, right? Is that how you see it? Yeah, I do. I remember, um, so it was in 2008, uh, 2007, I think in uh, probably August or September of 2007 when I, was with Jonathan Waters, we were building Slipstream, which became Garmin, which became what is now known as EF. Uh, and we were looking for kind of a certain type of rider. And Jonathan, all credit to him uh, in his geekiness, he had his eye on Dan Martin, who was riding for La Pomme Marseille's, and who had been, he was in that kind of parallel universe to GP cycling because he wasn't a track cyclist. So he had to go and he was, he was stuck between the, the modern world of that GB, all the GB cyclists we know today who have had huge success have come through that Olympic program. Dan Martin couldn't because he wasn't a pure track cyclist. So he went old school and went to France, went to La Marseillaise. Now the, the asset he has had uh, was that his uncle was Stephen Roach and that kind of opened doors. But what people didn't kind of realize, and this is what um, at the time Jonathan Vorters loved, because he was being all geeky, was that he was like, oh, Dave, you know, you've got to realize it's, it's probably Dan that's got the magic stuff, not Nico. Because the, it, the, mites, the, the genetic endurance predisposition, which is a cell mitochondria, only the mother can pass down. So that means that Stephen Roach's sister, Mary, uh, whose son is Dan, had the same cell mitochondria as Stephen Roach. So that's how it started with us in our pure science geeky. We were super science geeky back in the day. Uh, and then I, I called him up and, 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 and he was being approached by a couple of big French teams. And he made the really courageous move to come to our, our little startup team, Slipstream um in 2007 and that's where it all began and he came on the team and the reason we call him crosswinds because he came in with so much confidence like he was going to win liege baston liege in his first year he was going to do all these different things he genuinely was convinced he was going to win all these different races and he went to tour med which was his first stage race of the team 
And in the first race meeting, Matt White, who was my friend, who was the direct supportive of the team, he was with all the guys. He was like, all right, guys, it's going to be crosswinds today. And it's just want everyone to be, make sure you're, you're vigilant, you're at the front and be careful. And Dan was like, and Dan, he's like, Neo Pro, he's like, whippersnapping. He's like, Matt, don't worry about it. I understand crosswinds. I've got this. <laughs> and, and even, and he, and he's, and, and you know, he's like a bird. He's, he's teeny tiny and he's got, he's got huge charisma and persona, but he's actually a pretty small dude and crosswinds need to be a big dude. And, and even Matt just sat there and he was like, all right, mate. All right, mate. You got this then. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and then sure enough, about 25 Ks into the stage, there were crosswinds everywhere and it was ripped to pieces. And <laughs> Matt White pulled up and, Dan ended up being the first guy dropped from our team uh, in the crosswinds. And Matt just pulled up. I just put the window down and he was like, crosswinds, Dan, how you doing, mate? I like it. <laughs> and, uh, and then it just stuck from then on in. But it's, it's, but I, I kind of love the story because it's not demeaning. It's just, it's his confidence. It's like, he'll just go into everything. It's like, I'm going to win. It's like, and so it. everyone was like, fuck he will do it and but he has his moments so yeah so, so there's a lot of history with dan and it's but going back to what you were just saying i remember again going back to 2003 i was at an event in italy and i was watching a rerun of um i think the giro or liege baston liege it was the year that dan he he would have backed up he'd have won the second year in a row i think it was oh no no this is 2014 so 2014, I was watching Liege Bastion Liege and Dan was coming in and it looked like he was going to yep. win uh, a double up, which I don't think very few people have done, if anybody had ever yep. done. And he clipped his pedal on the final oh, corner yeah. and crashed down. That- and I was just sitting there and I was distraught. But in the kind of 20 minutes before that, they were showing some clips of old Lieges and you saw Stephen mm-hmm. Roach. And it was the first time I'd ever seen that Stephen Roach and Dan Martin look exactly the same. You've often bike. said that. It's, it blows my mind. But but, yeah. but you've often pointed it out. And then I've looked at footage and it completely backs up what you say. It's, um, mm. yeah, it's a remarkable thing. It's a remarkable thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a class act and he's, he's won monuments. And, it's, uh, and I think he's always been a little bit uh, undervalued, I think, um, because he's one of the greatest bike racers of his generation. Lovely. And if you got to race with him, yeah, yeah, it's a privilege. Lovely. And he's also got one of the greatest, the greatest nicknames that you've ever bestowed on anyone, um, although it's a little bit unfortunate. So while we're on the subject of nicknames, David, let's just, because I think last time we podded, we left off on the whole mystery of the nicknaming of my co-commentator on the Tour of Britain. Yeah. Um, Captain, <laughs> Captain, Captain Blythe. Captain Blythe. Damn your eyes. Damn your eyes. <laughs> So um, it was on the tip of your tongue, wasn't it? You were so close to getting it. I couldn't. But, it's but, rare and, 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 and people people yeah. were listening to it, screaming at their, 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 their podcast machines, going, obviously, it's the mutiny on the bounty and it's Captain Bly. But we had this excellent, excellent contribution, audio contribution sent to our email account, h-i-w-t-y-j at gmail.com. And we do, we love them, keep them coming, from uh, Adam Shoup, who... I just, I'm thrilled by this. He sent this from the Bronx in New York. The very fact that we have a listener in the Bronx in New York thrills me. Absolutely delights me. Yeah. I'm with you on this. And and there was just before we go on to that, the fact that people were screaming, filled me with joy. Oh, they were. They were totally like, like, oh, come on, guys, for Christ's sake. It's the most (laughs) obvious thing in the world, right? Blythe, Bly. Anyway, if you don't know what we're talking about, Adam Blythe. 
is nicknamed the captain. David couldn't remember why. Let Adam Shoup from the Bronx in New York explain. Hello, David. Hello, Ned. If it didn't already come to mind after recording the most recent Never Astray's Fandango, I think the film that you were trying to place in reference to one Captain Adam Blythe was some version of the real-life story of a Royal Navy vessel, the HMS Bounty, that culminated in what is known as the Mutiny on the Bounty. And you can take your pick of several film versions, naming just a few. 1933's version called In the Wake of the Bounty, with Clark Gable, who would later go on to star in Gone with the Wind. A 1962 adaptation titled Mutiny on the Bounty, starring Marlon Brando. Or the one that I think you had in mind, 1984's Telling of the Tale, simply titled The Bounty, with Anthony Hopkins and Mel Gibson, alongside Laurence Olivier, and very young versions of Liam Neeson and Daniel Day-Lewis. Hopkins was in the role of Bly, and although he delivers a number of great lines, here is a favorite of mine. This is an outrage. Mr. Fryer. In all my years at sea. Your years at sea? Good Lord, man. If I'd known your nature, I would not have accepted you as bosun of a river barge. Must I suffer this before the... You will suffer my correction whenever you're at fault, sir. What fault? God damn your eyes, man! You turned your back on me! Also, since I know you're both into a bit of history from time to time, I'll point out that the Hopkins film was based on the 1972 book Captain Bly and Mr. Christian. The book has its detractors, though not the least of which was a spicy New York Times book review by a self-described blind man, unashamed, utterly unimpressed by the attacks in the book, by which he goes on to describe that he cannot fathom the suggestion that blind Christian may have been lovers and declares, if this lengthy effort by Richard Howe had never been written, there would be no loss. Then again, the New York Times was also in a minority of critics in disliking the Hopkins film as well. Quote, it's totally lifeless. Cool. So, uh, David, I'm going to be commentating with the captain, right? The captain. On, um, mm. uh, who hasn't arrived in Bodmin yet, uh, by the way, because he's at a wedding. He's at his, um, sis- he's at his wife's sis- sister's wedding, I think, up in Cheshire at the moment. And he's on his way down. He's going to drive his down to Bodmin. That's the word I'm after. Um, I think I think I've got the right relation. Anyway, so but yeah, we're, we're going to commentate on the tour of Britain now. How many tours of Britain did you race? I think one, maximum two. I certainly remember you racing in. I'm going to say 2008 stroke nine. I think it might. But have been we. Eight. But you know why? Because you brought this up in a previous podcast. You know did why? I? I yeah, because because it was always the welter repeating ourselves but no because it was the Vuelta and the Vuelta oh, yeah. was always my number one priority so how the hell season. did you end up racing the Tour of Britain by mistake twice because <sighs> I must have been robbed of the Vuelta <laughs> for one reason or another I've got a di- I've got a really I've got a di- you won't remember this which will be humbling on my part you know we talked about humbling experiences yeah. the other day <laughs> um, <laughs> I think in about 2008 you know like teams all and, and the media will end up in the same hotels on the tour of britain quite often mm. um csc and your team which must be garmin i suppose in 2008 stroke nine um ended up all in the same hotel as well as all of us tv people and you vaguely knew who i was kind of and um you and stewie o'grady was there with csc oh god uh, and we were all in some novotel or some or something like that and Did uh, have a square got- bar in the foyer might have done but i remember well i remember the bar because you bought me a pint of guinness oh there you go because you because you were having a pint of guinness <laughs> there you go <laughs> god why was i having a pint of guinness that must have been tough, being healthy 
Tough race, huh? Tough. Yeah, yeah, why? You hate Guinness. You hate Guinness. I've tried it. I dabble every kind of five years. I hate Guinness. Yeah, it's... It's not, it's not a of, drink, is it? It's a loaf of bread dunked in, a, in water. Um... Uh, so what, what did you make of the race? I mean, it has changed massively. I was just going to say, David, that if Wout van Aert wins the, the Tour of Britain, which he might well win, I mean, I, I would have said he Why probably not? will win it. Yeah, because he's quite good. Um, in fact, I can't see a single stage. There are eight stages of the, of the Tour. <laughs> which, one, which one would he lose? Exactly. Which one won't he win? I mean, it's kind of every, every single stage is like, it's oh, like, well, that might be Tour quiet. of Britain is actually made for Wout van Aert. The punchy climbs over and over again. Cyclocross course. Cyclocross but a sprint. Course. Yeah, yeah, I'll throw bit of a sprint there, finish. Bit flatter. You, bit of a long, slightly yeah. longer climb. Well, mate, I just won on Mont Ventoux. Okay. <laughs> Team... Team time trial, Jumbo Visma. Yeah, we can do that. Um, so Wat van Aert may win it. If Wat van Aert wins it, David, it, the, then the last three winners of the Tour of Britain, in order, will have been Julien Alaphilippe, Mathieu van der Poel and Wat van Aert. That's not terrible. It's pretty cool, isn't it? It's really cool. But that, that sums up the type of racing that it's possible to create in the UK. It's just punchy one-day racing. We used to always say, say that about the Tour of Yorkshire. And it's kind of, it, it is that. And that's why you have that type of rider there, because it is, it's pure bike racing territory if the races are kind of built correctly. It's, it's dreamy for, for that type of rider. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. fingers crossed he wins it, because I'd, like, I'd love him to win it. I'm a big Wout fan. What was your best ever result on the Tour of Britain? I could Google it. Shall I Google it while you're trying to think? Well, I might have finished it. <laughs> Let me Google it. Quick, say something while I'm Googling it. Well, no, I don't think... I, no, my, no, my, I'm really interested. My in memory it. is... i got two memories of Tour of Britain is being there and falling off on a corner when it was you wet in the bunch on my own <laughs> and just slapping down really hard. And that was like on day two or day three and just being... just. I I I was you know we we spoke the other day about whether I could be indifferent or prima donna at Tour yeah, of Britain. Yeah. I was just prima donna. I was like full Why prima am donna I here. It's like I just slapped down and and was stupid because I wasn't concentrating. I just didn't really commit to it because uh, you know why? Because there was there was no time trial. There was no really hard stage. Not often. Not there was nothing often, I could yeah. win there. So when I was doing it, there was nothing I could do to, to actually destroy the race. It's so, so good, Dave. This is so good. I'm looking at, I'm looking at your, um, on pro cycling stats, I'm looking at your race results and I'm filtering yeah. it by race, yeah? And I've put in the keyword tour, tour yeah? And yeah. it goes Tour de France, Tour de Georgia, Tour de l'Ain, Tour de l'Avenir, Tour de la Région Vallonne, Tour de Luxembourg, Tour de Picardy, Tour de Romandie, Tour de, tour de Suisse, Tour de Vendée, Tour de Vaurard. <laughs> On va tour du Languedoc-Roussillon, tour du Limousin, tour du poitou charente et de la Vienne, tour Méditerranée, and then right at the bottom it says Tour of Britain. <laughs> right, I'm going to click on that now, and I'm going to look at, and I'm going to press filter. Right, here we go. And your best result, oh my God, you were underwhelming. You only raced it once, so forget about once. I did it twice. It was once. <laughs> it was once. In my head I did your, it twice. Your best result, I'm telling you now, was on stage three of the 2008 Tour de France, where you came into Burnham-on-Sea, 
in a very creditable 37th place. Wow. My indifference was huge. Just ahead of Vicente Reynes, who had a bit of a kick on him, right? He had a kick. He could could sprint. Wasn't that good that day, was he? But you were seven places slower than Bradley Wiggins. (sighs) Wow. Must have been chatting to him just before. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Rock racing were in that edition of the race, David. Tyler Hamilton. Oscar Sevilla. Uh, Victor Victor Hugo Pena. All that. Bloody hell. Yeah, those are the days. (laughs) What year is that? What year is that? 2008. It's the first race. It's the first time I presented ITV's coverage. It was... um, it was, it, was, uh, it was amazing. Yeah, I know why, because I don't think we, we didn't have uh, a start at the Volta España that year with Slipstream. Ah, uh, so, so bad I did luck, the mate. Tour. But yeah. the, race, the race has honestly... Oh, do you know who finished fourth on that stage? Um, Dan Martin. Dan Martin of Team Garmin Chipotle. Yeah, there you go. Crikey. <laughs> Anyway, those were then, and this is now, and the race has massively changed, right? Movistar here, Movistar here with Marc Soler, who will be going, what am I doing here? Which is, just makes me laugh a lot. But uh, <laughs> it would be like me. Can I, can I just say, Marc Soler will not win the Tour of Britain. Yeah, you can. Is, it, where, is, he, going, is, he, staying, is he going somewhere else next year? UAE. Oh, there you go. Yeah, good just, on him. Just well. sold his soul to domestic life. Do you think? Oh, yeah. yeah why, why else would they sign him? They're putting six million euros a year into Pogaccio. Vuelta. Vuelta. Yeah. <laughs> they don't care yeah. about Vuelta. Yeah. Uh, maybe um, Gabs, Gabs Kulhaig is riding for Movistar as well. So oh, the, love Gabs. You think he's, yeah. Yeah, be interested to see what he does. I haven't sort of, I mean, I haven't seen much of him race recently. I don't yeah, know Gabs is like, I, 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 I really do believe Gabs is like a, he's a, He's a hidden treasure. He's like a, he's a sleeping giant. We just need to yeah. get him. Like one day it'll click. Yeah. Quebecer Quebecer Asos um, have uh, Nick Lamini as their leader, given that he's a former King of the Mountains winner at the Tour of Britain, and Nick is the nicest soul on earth, and a, 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 a man I hugely respect. Um, so I'd love to see him do well. And actually, it's a kind of course that could suit Nick, as he's proven in the past. Ineos are a little bit ooh. They might win it, and they might win it with your man crush, Ethan Hater, because he's their leader. Rowan Dennis is there in supports, um, who's going to Yumba Visma. Owen Duhl, Kwiatkowski, uh, Carlos Rodriguez, who's this, uh, you know, did the amazing things at the um, Tour de l'Avenir this year, and uh, Richie Port. So that's half decent. Um, Apps and Phoenix, who won it last year with Mathieu Vanderpool. Vanderpool's not here this year because he's still injured after his um, stack on. Um, his, his, his crash at the mountain bike uh, Olympic thing. Um, but they've got an interesting rider in Ben Tullet, who's like Pidcock, but not Pidcock, right? Uh, so I, I, I am up on current affairs. He's a punchy little character, isn't he? I, it's like he's already just saying, I want to win the Tour de France. Is that what he said? Yeah. And you're like, Ooh. hats off. And you know what? You can say that now and I'm going to go go with it. Why not? Back yeah. to back, back to back, junior world cyclocross champion, um, and uh, actually this year he's just he's just just a, a few weeks ago finished ninth in the GC at the Tour of Poland. Um, Deconic Quickstop are awesome. They've got loads of their big hitters: Tim de Klerk, Davide Ballerini, uh, Eve Lampart, and a certain Mark Cavendish. Although I honestly don't know how 
how many chances Cavendish might get because it's a really hard course and every day is kind of... The first two days in Cornwall and Devon, uh, both mm. in excess of 3,000 metres of climbing. Oh, I think and and anybody who's ever ridden in Cornwall and Devon just knows how savage it is. It's yeah. horrible. I mean, it's beautiful bike riding, but racing, pff, yeah. forget about it. Yeah. Then there's Crosswinds, who's uh, spearheading the Israel team. But Yuma Visma bring a really strong team here. And they bring Wout van Aert. Oh, by the way, I should have said with De Koenig Quickstep, Julian Alaphilippe is here, the world champion. Oh, that guy. It's probably worth that a mention. Guy. That guy. <laughs> and the guy who won it last, um, uh, uh, two years ago. Three years ago because of the missing COVID year in 2018. So, uh, yeah. So, there we go. Just a quick word about the, the British teams because they're a big part of a race. You know, any we were talking, weren't we, that when I was at the Deutschland Tour, David, about the importance of the the local teams, the Conti teams from mm. Germany, and this yeah. being their Tour de France. Well, it's absolutely the case at the Tour of Britain as well. They're very comparable, the two tours, although this one matters more than the Deutschland Tour, as things stand at the moment. And there are, including the Great Britain team, who are British cycling's sort of young prospects being marshaled by Matt Bramier, there are five um, continental teams from Great Britain, including the Canyon team. Now, they bring uh, Rory Townsend, who's, who's had a UCI win um, on the continent this year. Matt Bostock, who's a really good sort of ex-track rider who's making a career now as a, as a roadie, but he's just coming back from having broken his finger in the Tour Series. And um, Max Stedman, um, which, do you remember Max Stedman, David, from, ooh, I mean, it was our last but one commentaries on the Tour de Yorkshire, I think, where, do you remember that day where Stefan Rosetto went on his mad rampage? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was crazy. Do you remember Max Stedman was the young British um, Conti rider who was with him? He was oh, the last man standing on, with Rosetta. Got... Yeah. Uh, so no, I don't remember. I, I remember vividly that stage, and yeah, so I can remember him just because Rosetta was just motorbiking people off his wheel. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Max, Max, Max was the best of the rest from that breakaway, but he's a yeah. tiny little dude and a really kind of. I, I think he'd go. Uh, you know, if he's on form, he'll go really well. Swift Carbon um, uh, have bring some interesting riders um chris latham who's kind of rebuilding his career a bit of a tracky um got a fast finish on him great hair a bit but that that's Kittle. important very important um and alex peters now alex um went to sky for a couple of years this is three or four years ago and um found it hard like many people have done at Sky or uh, indeed at World Tour level, doesn't matter which the team is, and then vanished, right? And um, he has been through a very hard time, very, very, very hard time, but he's back. And um, just the other day, he won one of the big races on the domestic calendar, the Rydale. And again, he's a kind of climbing punchy climber and i think if he gets in a break and it's a good break i think he could do something pretty interesting and also given what i know a bit of what he's been through i think that it would be a tremendous comeback story if alex can um sort of breathe new life back into his career that stalled a bit and they on the other end of the age spectrum they've got will bjergfeld who i'm sure you won't know about david but will bjergfeld is a stalwart of the british sort of crit scene and has been for a decade and a half. He's, I think he's the oldest rider in the race. He's 42. Um, but he had a massive accident. Um, I think he was ridden into by a, a car driver a few years ago. And he lost most of the muscle mass from one leg. I think his right leg, which 
what, what, you know, but he's so determined. He's the nicest man in the world. Will got back on the bike and qualified as a Paralympian and has picked up um, n- a number of titles as a Paralympic athlete, but then had another um, incident this year that prevented him p- from participating earlier in the spring in the Paralympic Games this year. So he just went, all right, so I'm, all right, so I was an athlete, then I was a Paralympian, now I'm no longer a Paralympian, so I'll just become an athlete, you know, a kind of able-bodied athlete again, and I'll ride the Tour of Britain. And he's there on form, and he's, he's riding for Swift Carbon, and honestly, he's one of the nicest men I've ever met. And if he does anything, and by anything I mean win an intermediate sprint on stage six, I don't care, will that will be absolutely incredible. Um, ribble can racing. I, can I just ask? Yes, on that of course. One, sorry, otherwise it'll just be a monologue from me, which is no. Wants to hear that. Yeah. What are the ethics on that then? Regards him switching from Paralympian to no, no, no ethics, no ethics at all. Because um, that's fine. So, but I mean, in order to be a Paralympian, you can't compete in what would be considered able body. Or well, if you, you if you are no, if you are a Paralympian and you're good enough, you can compete um, in 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 able bodied sport. There's no there's okay. no bar on that yeah. whatsoever. You know, it only goes the other way down. If you're able bodied, you can't become a Paralympian. So, the classifications are quite strictly um, kind of determined by medical examination. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that um, then there's the the Ribble team who uh, are are managed by Colin Sturgis, who's a lovely guy, um, and they've got Matt Gibson who used to be at Burgos BH, who's flying at the moment. Dan Bigham, David, who I'm mm. sure you know about, right? The, the, okay, so Dan Bigham is um, part of that kind of hoob, I don't know how to pronounce it, hoob team type hoob. Hoob. A little bit too, it's like just too hoob, used, too many. Too used. He used to be, I mean, he's, he's a, he's a world-class team time trialist, Dan, Dan Bigham and, and uh, track, tracky, isn't he? Um, and he used to be a, aerodynamicist with the Mercedes Formula One team and he has uh, brought is this, to- is that, is, is this the Tad, Tanfields yeah, sort of team? yeah 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 but Bigham, right, so. Bigham is the brains behind it all is he How? yeah and he's also a phenomenal athlete so he has been honing Ribble's team time trial I mean a lot of these teams won't have raced a team time trial for years and they won't huh. be prepared but Ribble have been focusing on it uh, that would explain when I yeah. saw the launch of their new fast road bike. They've been working on Ribble as well recently. Uh, Probably yeah. has something to do with him. And they're also, they're, but their team leader is James Shaw, who used to be with Lotto Sudal. Um, yeah, and he's had to James. drop down to, yeah. yeah, he's had to rebuild his career. And he announced recently, I know which team he's going to, but I can't tell anybody because it's, it's his news to tell. But it's a really great fit. And next year he's going to be riding at World Tour level again. Yeah, so yeah, so Ribble are pretty serious, and then there's a Cornish team, uh, which is really interesting. But I've got loads of time to talk about them in the upcoming podcast, David, aren't we? Because we're going to be doing this every day, you know, sometimes in the morning, sometimes in the evening, sometimes whenever. Uh, Trinity Racing are there. Do you know who their DS is? Their main DS, Trinity Racing. You know McQuaid's lot. So. Andrew, Andrew. Yeah, I was going to say, is it Andrew? Is it Andrew James well, or Pat? Is his dad doing it? <laughs> Is Pat McQuaid directing for Trinity? No. That'd be amazing. Paul Kimmage. Paul Kimmage. Can I keep guessing? Yogi. Ian Stannard. Oh, nice. Ian Stannard is their DS. In fact, they've got two DSs. Ian Stannard and Jürgen Rollins, which is kind of cool. That's pretty cool. And then there's, as I said, the great... Actually, the interesting thing about the Great Britain team is that... um, they, unlike, uh, we're talking about the team time trial thing, which is stage three, 
in South Wales um, and how little most of the teams will have done the team time trial stuff. I mean, most of them haven't got the right equipment or if they have, they've, they've never practiced on it. Um, the Great Britain team who barely had any opportunities to race on the roads because they're, they're mostly trackies, yeah? They spend a lot of their time practicing and training on team time trial and t- team time trial, you know, on time trial bikes doing a team time trial. They, they do that a lot, according to Matt Bramier. That's just part of their... Why? I don't know. I thought you might be able to tell me that. Apparently, it's physiologically, it's great training and also something. I don't know. But they've. Do- I said to Matt Bramier specifically, and I spoke to him the other day, I said, why? So, you know, have you ever done... T- Matt knows. I, I, I've got a lot of respect for yeah. Matt. Matt knows what he's doing. So they do, they do it a lot. So be, that'd be quite interesting to see how they go. So anyway, loads of <laughs> pressures, pressures on guys. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> you've actually got to race it now. Yeah, that's true. But that got me thinking, where do they train team time trials? Cause like they live in Manchester. Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> I don't really get yeah, it. Has to be, it would have to be on the, the dual carriageway to Audley edge, oh. Wormsley, Audley edge, just do out and backs. And on the, that would be perfect. I'd be a surprise if they don't do that. They should do that. If you're listening, Matt, do it that the Wilmslow, Audley Edge roundabout dual carriageway back and forth. What a terrible way to work, what a terrible way to earn your living. What a terrible life. What a terrible life. Well it's <laughs> I mean no wonder no wonder Crosswinds <laughs> Dan has just quit because it's just a terrible life, isn't it? <laughs> it gets to a point where you, it doesn't it's you don't like it as much. <laughs> but, when you're young, that dual carriageway serves a purpose. <laughs> Eventually, it doesn't serve. All right, David. Anyway. Should we? Should we do? I think out of a sense of duty, Welter. we should probably should we do, should we do Welter. We should probably do Welter, even though I know very little about. I, I mean, I saw a bit of it today. I doubt you saw any of it. In fact, I know you didn't see any of it because you've already told me. I, I didn't see any of it because I've yeah. just just been running around. Um, but uh, what I do know is because I'm a couple of days off the back, and I'm just reading more and more about Bernal and Lopez and the fact they're doing in American sports. Essentially, it's called a hail mary. Boom. Where you know. Yeah, you're not going to win. So why don't you just quite try and do the craziest thing, like throw the ball from the beyond the uh, halfway line and see if it goes in? And that seems to be what Bernal is doing. Yeah, I don't know what I don't know what the story was really today. It was earlier on the stage before I started looking at it. But obviously, Bernal had done some big boom, which fair play to him. He's done day after day after day, hasn't he? Kind of trying to get himself out of eighth place or wherever he was in GC. Um, so what else should he do? And he's been very attacking and and rightly so. But what I can't quite figure out is and. <laughs> Our listeners will have watched it and they'll know. <laughs> they'll be screaming again. They'll scream at us. It's Captain Blythe. Um, uh, so, but Lopez is rolling all this. I don't, I don't get. So he started the day in a podium position and he, he got, he found himself the wrong side of this big split that never came back. Mm-hmm. And he ended up, he was seven minutes down on the red jersey group or something. And then he just climbed off. Because <laughs> his podium place had gone. Which um, you know, is the least. That's the yeah. least Superman thing I've ever heard, isn't it? You know, just yeah, when your back's against super. the wall, you just go, "Yeah, I can't be asked now." <laughs> just yeah, checking out. I'm going, but you know what? This 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 time, and so you were just and Bernard. What did he do? Uh finished 143rd. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't got any. So so so, so it's brilliant. So it's I'll brilliant find quotes. out while you're talking. But, and so what? What I think is just what you're explaining to me because I haven't seen anything. Yeah. Is uh, <laughs> in my little brief moment floating race stuff. floating race uh, yeah. and I, floating floating race facts here and we were talking about the fact the other day that um 
it was Bernal crediting Roglic with being brave for going with him 61 kilometers out when he attacked yeah. and going for the crazy, yep. sort of following his Hail Mary. Um, but then he was asked in a pre-race interview, I think yesterday, about bravery and him being brave having doing it, having done it. And he's, and he had a brilliant quote. And it's one of those kind of amazing sort of Spanish, South American quotes that don't really translate that I haven't heard before. And he said, yeah, it's all good and well being brave, but we only find them in the graveyards. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> and I was like, that's an amazing quote. That is an amazing quote. It's like, there's no point being brave because you never actually win if you're brave. I'm looking at yeah. I'm looking at the results now. DNF Miguel Angel Lopez. He didn't finish. Uh, he's the only rider who didn't finish today's stage. Uh, Egan Bernal finished nineteenth, <laughs> six minutes and fifty five seconds down on the uh, uh, winner, who was only six seconds in front of the red jersey. Clément Champoussin won. It was brilliant the way he attacked. I saw that because this little clutch of GC riders had kind of stalled and were negating each other with 1.5k mm. to go. And he just went, seen this opportunity, take it. And it was a devastating attack. And they just, and from the moment he attacked, you went, oh, he's won that. Uh, it's brilliant. And he's been knocking, he's one of those riders who's knocking on the door of a big win and he's done it. But what I really, I tell you what you should with a name like that, you should do what French cycling needs to, needs him. What I really like about looking at the results here, apart from DNF Miguel Angel Lopez is the last one, (laughs) the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight riders who crossed the line, right? Eight, the last eight (laughs) riders who crossed the line were all from Dukernic Quickstep. (laughs) so i'm just thinking of something as well and excuse me for this but imagine in results you had to put their nickname in their results sheet so good so it'd be like the only the two is like so it'd be miguel angel lopez brackets superman dnf (laughs) (laughs) it'd be so good superman didn't finish shark shark 38th. <laughs> that's a, we'll just leave it at that. Let's hear some let's hear some recorder music. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 